Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Yes, welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Two big wins for Bristol City this week. Six points after two games with two late goals. Uh, lots to come on this week's podcast. We've got a chat with BBC Bristol's Richard Hoskin. We're also going to hear from Lloyd Kelly, Lee Johnson and Adam Webster. Uh, Gregor, let's start with Saturday's game, Brentford. It looked like the ball would just not fall for the Robins, but finally they made the breakthrough through Elias. And, uh, how important was that? Three points on Saturday and what did you make of the game? Um, Bristol City just really did not want to go to six games without a win and I just think it, it comes at such a great time because you look at the, the next fixtures ahead obviously they've just beaten um, Hull last night but the, the, to get that win ahead of the, the likes of Stoke and Preston and Reading all games that on paper you'll look at uh, Bristol City getting some points from and it doesn't always obviously work out like that but um, you'd certainly hope they, they can get some wins there so to pick up this bonus win at Brentford somewhere where they, they've done badly for so many years and I, I just add the point that this is another one of those cases where this Bristol City team under Lee Johnson have overturned a big chunk of history and I know this from writing match reports at these games that Every now and again, it seems to be that City pick up an away win at places like Ipswich, Sunderland, QPR, Brentford, all these teams where they haven't won for years and years and years. And now they're doing that. I think I think on Saturday they were actually a little bit lucky in terms of the red card gave them a huge boost. But I was making the point in the press room to a few people last night that just losing a player doesn't always equate to a win. There's plenty of teams that have lost with, with um, an extra man. And uh, City obviously could have lost when Watkins hit the post. But, um, yeah, they saw that job through and uh, got a crucial three points. And, yeah, I think it'll bode well for the team spirit, the players, the belief, the confidence, and probably helped a little bit with the win last night, even. And Max O'Leary, he made his league debut. He had a couple of wobbly moments, but overall he made some outstanding saves. Does City even need... A loney keeper. What a start he's had to his career. I mean, he hasn't even ever conceded a goal in the championship ever. Did you know that, Michelle? Um, yeah, so uh, two games, two clean sheets. And um, there's that incredible stat. Did you see it on Twitter saying uh, that he might be only the third Bristol City goalkeeper of all time to have kept two clean sheets in his first two league games? And uh, what price a third one at the weekend against Stoke? That... I have to say, that save in the first minute against Grozicki when Kane burst down the right flank was outstanding. Point blank, reactions, amazing save. And he also did similar at Brentford. I thought he was outstanding at Brentford. Gave him my man of the match in my sort of post-match player ratings then. He didn't put a foot wrong then or last night. And yeah, this, this guy is very highly rated within the corridors of power Ashton Gate um, from the people I've spoken to there I know that they, they really do believe he can he can go on and forge a really good career for himself so 
Do Bristol City need another lone goalkeeper? No, definitely not. Um, Max has come in, he's shown he's, he's, he's got what it takes and yeah, he needs to be given more, more first-team football and maybe that'll happen with City. Just to update on injuries, uh, Lee Johnson said last night that Nicky Mainpar was maybe a week to sorry, two weeks to ten days away from returning. So he's not too far away. Doesn't sound too good for Frank Fielding, obviously, who contracted meningitis. That's viral meningitis. He's going to be out still for a little while. Uh, The head coach was comparing him to something from the film Alcatraz or something. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. But basically saying that he's not liking the light of day at the moment. So uh, that doesn't sound too good for him. But, um, yeah, maybe with Max, then that situation isn't so urgent. And then just a few nights later, they were in action Wednesday evening. Looked like it was heading for a nil-nil with Hull, but then Jiju uh, popped up with the goal. What do you make of City scoring these, these late goals? And do you think... They were worth the win? I actually thought it was a bit harsh on Hull last night. They definitely were worth uh, a, a point. If you, if you look at the XG, you know, I love the XG stats because it gives you a more realistic analysis of the game. Then it'll probably say, I haven't seen what they are yet, but they'll probably say that both teams had the chances to score at least one or two goals each. And if there'd been more quality up front for both sides, then we could have looked at another cricket score type game like the 5 all last year but yeah good signs for Bristol City because it, it was a close game could have gone either way Whoever I always thought whoever scored the first goal was going to go on and win this and the game looked to be petering out uh, the Robins kept going and I do fancy with the likes of Jeju and, and Vyman and Patterson these guys yes they've not been in the best of form recently but it, it's that old adage that class is permanent Form is temporary, and these guys have got proven records of, of scoring and creating, and eventually they will come good. And okay, it wasn't maybe the best night for say Jamie Patterson last night, but um, or, or Jeju for the for long parts. But they've always got a goal in them, and yeah, I, I kind of thought that they might pop up at some point and do something. So yeah, great little poached finish at the end for Jeju. That's what he does, and a, a super important win because it makes it back to back victories. And yeah, plenty of plenty of good performances out there again last night. Um, certainly, the, the centre backs were really good. Lee Johnson said that in his post match press conference. Yeah, Lyerson was a threat, and he was he he started quietly at Brentford actually, Lyerson, and and he got better and better in that game. So that's great to see him coming back into form. Uh, I was looking at the stats afterwards. I mentioned this somewhere else, and just one on Jamie Patterson. He completed all of his passes in the final third, 11 out of 11, which is really rare to see and uh, a good sign for him, even if he if he didn't go that close to scoring. Jeju poach finish, maybe not the best night for Andreas Weiman. He maybe looks at, like he does need that rest um, that might be coming his way and maybe it's time for Matty Taylor to be given a chance alongside Jeju. OK, so after we got the thoughts of Lee Johnson after the whole game and how he thought City fared. You know, I think they'll be feel hard done by, do you know what I mean? Because they did have a couple of chances and, and they had some decent breaks. But what do you expect, you know? Good side, they've got good individuals and, um, you know I mean, people like Grzycki and, like, you know, the experience they've got um, in certain players is top draw. So I knew it would be a really, really tough game. And uh, I was delighted with the lads because like we're so young and uh, we played very mature today and 
that was good. We handled the ball well. You see, I had to make the tactical change. Uh, credit to them for that. You know, I wanted to play 4-4-2 from the start, but I had to uh, move the extra midfielder in there with Pato and put Vyman wide. And uh, it probably just gave us a bit of a foothold in the game. And we saw it through to half-time. And then second half, I thought we was uh, definitely the more sort of willing side to go and win the game. And uh, we lacked a little bit of control and care in the final third at times. And that's what we've got. That's what we've got to improve on. If we improve on that, we may have made that an easier, an easier night, if you like. But still, uh, great heart from the boys. You know, you've got to remember it's a new team. Everybody's being thrown together, and uh, for them, as a, as a group of lads, to have wins like they've had in the last two. Is uh, it can form that bond and that, that team spirit? Bailey Wright's going to be like, forget about Bailey Wright for a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's on the mend. Don't get me wrong, but he ain't kicked a ball in a game yet. Do you know what I mean? So uh, hopefully we'll get Bailey Wright training with us if all goes well and there's no reoccurrence within ten to fourteen days, and then at that point we'll probably build him up, give him a sort of under twenty three game or two, or maybe. Um, <clears throat> have a game behind closed doors and then international break do you know what I mean and then maybe after that he'll be ready to go good thing is as a centre half you know what I mean you're not up and down up and down it's just a case of uh, making sure like your football and your feet are moving and Pisano? Pisano similar really similar to Bailey Wright probably slight, maybe a week ahead of Bailey Wright um, but he's in good nick they're both in good nick lungs wise but Obviously, that match sharpness is going to take a bit of Well, Moisa, you haven't even seen Hakeem Adelukin yet, and he's a good player, very good player. So that's what um, that's my point. So like, I think that the way we're working it, you see, I gave Lloyd Kelly a rest so today. Um, Joe, if you look at Lloyd's uh, continued minutes, particularly with the internationals as well that he's played. Do you know what I mean? We've got a guard against burnout, and uh, we want to be consistent this season. It might be that we take a point here and there, whereas last year we was a bit more gung-ho. Um, we're better in possession, for sure, as far as comfort on the ball. Um, we probably lack the different types of goal that we could score last year. Um, and they're the bits that have got improved and we need goals more around the pitch. Gregor, what do you make of Lee Johnson's comments there? The good thing is that, and we've spoken about this before, Bristol City really do have this strength in depth this season. We sort of said, do they have maybe as stronger first eleven as last year? Not too sure. I just think Aidan Flint is a big loss in terms of set pieces and aerial um, aerial attacks. And somebody else was saying to me about how City have lost lots of goals from defence. It would be great if maybe some of the centre-backs could start chipping in with a few goals I think that's what Bristol City and another thing they're lacking just a little bit at the moment but yeah as Lee has said there he's, he's got players returning that aren't too far away Bailey Wright is what 10 uh, sort of 10 to 14 days away from returning to first team training and when these guys come back there's going to be problems in, t- in terms of in terms of choosing the team but Basically, that is cliche. It's a nice problem to have. And what the head coach said last night was that Lloyd Kelly has played so many minutes this season that he needed to be rested. And that I know the coaching staff are paying particular attention to this because they they don't want to 
Uh, well, they're concerned about burnout at the end of the season, like we saw maybe last year where their form faded. They want to keep some players fresh towards the back end of the season. And that means that there's going to be a bit of rotation. And as we saw with Jay De Silva, who was excellent last night, some of these guys do need to play. So it all bodes well, really, for Bristol City at the moment. We've also heard from Adam Webster this week. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, obviously, we, we, we defended well tonight. Um, gave the forwards the licence to go and do what they have to do. Um, and it's important for any team to keep clean sheets. You know, we've just got to take every game as it comes. Um, as I said earlier, if, if we can put runs together, it always helps, and hopefully we can be there or thereabouts. So, Gregor, it's Stoke at home this week. Uh, can Bristol City make it three wins on the bounce? Stoke had a really good point in midweek against Sheffield United. I thought 1-0 down when I last looked at that game. I thought, OK, that's a home win. But obviously, Gary, Gary Rowett's side came back into into that and uh, I think it'll be tough I I think it'll be a draw at the weekend I just don't think Stoke are that bad whereas last night really Hull probably should have got something so maybe it flattered the Robins a little bit it's difficult to get these runs of games but even if they did get a point I don't think that's too bad it'll keep them on the tail of the sides in the top six and Basically, then who have they got? They've got Preston at home coming up and Reading away. Those two games are probably games that they could target for getting more points and maybe get the wins that they need. That are gonna is going to see City fly up into the upper echelons of the league. But yeah, Stoke still got quality players. It's not obviously happening for them at the moment. Uh, will we see maybe someone like Peter Crouchy even involved? Uh, at the weekend, I don't know. A phobe, Benikafobe's not done too well up front for them. Berahino, um, yeah, he's inconsistent. Joe Allen's a class act for them in the middle, and they've got some some quality throughout their team. Really, I know a lot of managers rate um, James McLean. I'm not his biggest fan actually, but he seems to be one of those ones that is very hardworking and catches the eye of a lot of top coaches. Um, but yeah. You never know. Bristol City at times have blown away really good teams. I'm thinking of the likes of uh, when they smashed Derby 4-1 when Gary Rowett came to Ashton Gate last season. And if they can do that again, uh, and it's within their capabilities, then uh, this could be a really good season. So if, if City do win, do we start then thinking of them as playoff contenders? I guess we have to, don't we? If, if, if they can win... What, that'll be three games on the bounce and they did four games earlier in the season but it's just so weird the championship and then it was five without a win if they beat Stoke I don't think I don't think really you can say that they are going to be genuine contenders not sorry not for automatic promotion for playoff contenders yes definitely um, because there'll be sort of another eight teams beyond like the top two or three, because it looks to me like basically it's going to be Middlesbrough, Leeds and West Brom contending the top two. Maybe uh, Sheffield United if they can keep up their form, but I actually think they might fall away. Derby are on this great, well, have put in some great performances, uh, maybe not been quite as consistent as some of the other teams. Norwich as well in the mix, but for me... Based on squad strength and what they've done so far, I think Leeds, Middlesbrough and and West Brom 
and I think Sheffield United, Derby and Norwich to be in the mix for the top six, along with Forest. I like them. I, th- I, I really think they might finish top six. City, yeah, they, they're looking better for me than the likes of Blackburn, Swansea, Birmingham, Wigan, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday. Brentford are, are, are surprisingly falling away a little bit for me but I do think they'll come back into it Villa too I think will pick up some form though I was looking at their fixtures they've got some decent matches to come on paper um, the good thing for City is though they've played almost every team in the top half apart from Leeds and a couple of other teams uh, who else is it well Birmingham at the moment and Norwich and they've played everybody else in the top half. So really, on paper, you would have thought that the odds are in favour of Bristol City maintaining this run. And I just think, going back to last year, it's going to be similar in terms of they need a good January. They could bring in the right reinforcements then, maybe just one or two players to make the difference. Then, yeah, who knows what could happen this season? That's all I'm going to say. Okay, well, Gregor uh, sat down with BBC Bristol commentator and broadcaster Richard Hoskins. Some great stuff in here about uh, Richard coming down to Ashton Gate, even who he supports as well. Here's their chat. So I'm sat here with Rich Hoskin from BBC Radio Bristol, and hopefully he's going to tell us a bit of background about himself and covering both City and Rovers. Um, so, Rich, how long have you been doing this gig now and... Um, Maybe you could tell us a bit of your background, yeah, covering the Robins, how you got into it, maybe. Sure. Um, I joined Radio Bristol back in 2001. I remember my first game vividly. It was a League Cup game against Cheltenham. The Cheltenham manager that evening was Steve Cottrell. Little did I realise that we would um, form a relationship in in later years. But City won that game 2-1. For no reason at all, I think Steve Jones got one of the goals. But, um, yeah, it's kind of grown from there. Very, very different Bristol City and a very different Ashton Gate to the one that I, I covered, what, 15, 16, 17 years ago. It keeps getting bigger and bigger, that number. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you've been doing this for a while. And uh, for a, a younger reporter like myself, I can look up to you and uh, take a few bits from the press conferences and things when, when we're in the same press conferences. Um, but... Yeah, do you have, feel any um, natural affiliations with any of the, the past managers in particular that have worked at um, Bristol City or are you able to block all that out to an extent? A little bit, yeah, it's, it's hard not to um, get some sort of relationship because you, you're in each other's faces, aren't you, on a weekly basis. But at the same time, you have to be slightly detached because there's going to be that occasion when you're going to ask an awkward question. So um, I'm, I'm thinking of Gary Johnson in particular. Um, BBC Radio Bristol still has a relationship with him to this day, to the point he took part in Jeff's big quiz last week for our live appeal. So um, I think generally managers appreciate that we have a job to do. Um, we, ha- we have questions to ask on behalf of the fans. And um, I struggle to think of any managers generally who, um, who we've not parted with on, on good terms. Yeah, good to hear. Um, what, what do you make of Bristol City in their current iteration then and under Lee Johnson? How, how does this current side um, stack up against those of the past, in your opinion? That's a good question. Um, in terms of how does it compare to, and uh, you've probably had the debate, how does the current Bristol City side compare to the 2008 side that reached the playoff final? Um, certainly the football's very attractive at the moment. Um, going to Ashton Gate itself is a genuine pleasure. The facilities are are amazing. Um, in the past, you almost had to apologise to our colleagues at the opposition local radio stations for the for the facilities or lack of them in the Williams, and they couldn't wait to get out. But um, now there's a genuine look of admiration, and um, I think they're a bit jealous of, of the facilities that we enjoy at Ashton Gate. So covering Bristol City at the moment is, is certainly a pleasure um, on and off the pitch. How did you get into it? 
I realised um, when I was about 10, I wanted to be a footballer. And when I was about 10 and a half, I realised I wasn't good enough to be a footballer. So at that point, I wanted to get into journalism. I thought, why not get paid to watch the sport that I love? So I used to volunteer. I did things like hospital radio. I'd recommend that to anybody who just wants to get some experience of being behind the mic. You can make all sorts of mistakes um, and get, get away with it. Um, then, of course, I did a postgraduate diploma in, in journalism, which um, I would also recommend because... You teach all, teach you all the boring stuff like law, but stuff that can come in very handy. And then you just have to go for it, apply for jobs. I must have applied for, for dozens of jobs before getting a break. My first job was in Swansea, reading the news. It was just to get a foot in the door. And from then I worked at Radio Suffolk for a year, covering Ipswich Town. Um, that was my break into sport. And then, um, yeah, 2001, Radio Bristol came calling and um, I've been here ever since. And just to clarify, I'm not sure if I can ask you this or not, but are you, you're not a Bristol City fan or a Bristol Rovers fan even? No, um, I don't. I didn't come to BBC Radio Bristol in 2001 supporting either City or Rovers. So um, I cover each side with um, the, the same level of bias. I, I can't claim that um, I don't have an affiliation now, an affection for Bristol City and for Bristol Rovers. I want them both to do well. But um, no, I don't support either side. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who I do support. I once met the great Ron Jones. Um, he did a commentary course with a number of me and my colleagues from around the BBC. There was about 20 people in the room and he said, can anyone in this room tell me who I support? And not one person knew. And he goes, that's how it should be. Just keep your affiliations to yourself. But I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I, yeah, I'm not a City or a Rover supporter. Good tip there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, just a couple of last questions, Rich. Um, I know speaking to a lot of people trying to break into the industry, the press conference is probably one of those sort of terrifying moments in a way. Um, how would you advise people to maybe deal with that and maybe in particular dealing with a difficult press conference? You've got to judge the mood, haven't you? So um, there's some managers who are, have been harder to deal with than, than others. Um, Lee Johnson generally is quite good isn't he um he takes questions on the chin um my tip generally <laughs> whether that's to anyone listening or indeed you know sometimes don't go straight in with the i heard an interview with um pep guardiola after the manchester city liverpool game and um, the five live reporter his first question was what was Mahrez taking that penalty for and um i think the presenter said oh he was brave going straight in so just pick your moments you've got to judge the mood of the manager but ultimately you have to ask that question i guess it's just the way you word it maybe have a little positive spin on it but um, ultimately um, when managers face you I think you'd be cheating the fans if you didn't ask those those hard questions that need to be asked For sure and um, just on <clears throat> print journalism has obviously changed massively over the years um, has it been the same in radio journalism have, have you seen a big shift in, in what you're being asked to do and what you have to do or, or is it less so maybe in that in that field Yeah if I said the word ewer to you you probably don't know what I'm talking about um, when I first started we used to use a piece of equipment called ewer to record our um, interviews. It was on a reel-to-reel -reel tape machine. You'd have to then go back to the office with a razor blade and literally cut the tape together like something from, from wartime Britain. Um, these days, I'm, I've come to Ashton Gate today for the latest Lee Johnson press conference with an iPad, and within 10, 15 seconds of the interview completing, I can send it to the office and the guys back in the office can start editing it and, and putting it on air if necessary. So technology has come on leaps and bounds. Um, in terms of print journalism, I have absolutely no experience of it, but I've noticed over the years that there is difference. And I guess um, these days the internet plays a big role and things like that. And I guess Twitter, um, 
you couldn't have got me on a, a phone or a Twitter 10 years ago, but now I, I realise the importance of social media um, to connect with people and to give information as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's ever-changing, isn't it, the media? Both television, radio and newspapers are all on the same boat, but um, ultimately our aim is to provide the same level of information. Great stuff. And just finally, what's Jeff Twentyman like to work with? Because obviously he's held in very high esteem, I think, by a lot of Bristol City fans. He does a great job. Whenever I've listened to him uh, grilling the the top dogs, people like Steve Lansdowne and that. Um, Does he have to, I mean, what's he like behind the scenes? Does he he have to work a lot on the the journalistic side? And uh, I guess he does researching and stuff like this and everything. And what can you tell us about him off Yeah, I guess a compliment I could pay to Jeff is if you're an alien from Mars and listen to Jeff, you wouldn't know almost he was a former footballer. You think that this has been his calling all his life. I I remember watching Jeff on on the terraces um, as a Bristol Rovers player um, many years ago. I'm happy to say I think that Jeff I think is the best presenter we have at Radio Bristol Um, and his interviews as well are outstanding aren't they he really gets to the bottom of the interviews and um, but I think at the same time Steve Lansdowne as an example I think he respects someone like Jeff because he knows he's going to ask the questions but um, it's fair there's a right to reply Um, and yeah absolutely I think we're very lucky at BBC Radio Bristol to have Jeff on our radios every single night Mondays to Fridays and um, doing Saturday sport as well Um, we're certainly a lot stronger and better for having him on board definitely great stuff thanks very much rich cheers we heard from lloyd kelly as well this week he's been a, a mainstay in bristol city's team and here's a little bit of what he said on the season so far and as a young player to see the likes of joe bryan and, and bobby reed in, in the first team that must have been a big sort of influence on on you as a young player knowing that there's that pathway into the first team yeah yeah definitely um obviously knowing bobby for a couple of years now um outside of football and things um, we've always had a good uh, relationship um, and I was always pleased for him especially him getting his move but me growing up um, it was always a good thing looking up to those two especially Joe because he was the role that I would, I'm playing now at the moment um, I always used to feed advice from him um, so yeah and uh, it must be a strange feeling then to be a player in the first team now and perhaps be that player that the other young players are now looking up to yeah um, I haven't really thought about that too much um, but it probably um, is a bit tr- strange um, from their point of view because I was probably in the same classroom as them probably two three years ago or something like that um, but yeah it's nice to kind of be a role model um, in and around the camp especially to young players. And uh, obviously you recently got back from, from the international break. How was captaining England under-20s? Uh, it was a real good honour. Um, obviously, playing for them is a good thing at itself, but um, being the captain as well, um, just got to kind of set a good example, um, which I think I did for the nine or ten days that we were away for, especially in the two games, getting two good results. Uh, especially the Italy game, we come away with the win, 2-1, and then flying to Czech to play them, which was another tough game, and coming away with a draw, which you can take loads of positives. And do you see yourself as perhaps a a future City captain one day? I hope so, yeah. Um, I think I have the um, right characteristics to be a captain, um, which I've shown so far. Um, So that's the aim that I can kind of set myself on for the future. 
how was it training with the the senior team with England as well? Uh, it was a real good experience. Yeah, um, they were very welcoming. Um, didn't feel out of place. Um, had a little chat with Southgate before the training. Um, he made me feel comfortable. Um, so yeah, it was a real good experience. And Carl Walker seems on a one-man mission to nutmeg every person in the England squad. Did he manage to get you? He actually did. Did he? Yeah, he actually <laughs> did. Um, and I begged him not to put it on social media as well. <laughs> so uh, hopefully he doesn't put that one up. <laughs> um, and uh, how is the, the sort of difference between the uh, the England style of coaching perhaps and, and the Bristol City style of coaching? You know, is it quite similar? Or? Um, I think the principles stay the same. Um, when attacking and defending um, but obviously style of play does change now and again um, obviously international football is different um, but as I said the principles stay the same so it's quite easy to kind of um, maneuver yourself around if you know what I mean um, but it is two good experiences um, going in and out of international football Great to hear from Lloyd Kelly there speaking to David Barham of the Bristol Post and really exciting to hear his future plans. Maybe Bristol City captain one day. We shall see. Right, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Myself and Gregor reflecting on the Stoke game. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.